Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Seven o'clockers, welcome on board. We made it to Thursday. All right, we made it to Thursday. We're working our way towards the weekend. Your boys, Mac and Bone. Sports Radio FNZ, delivered by Bojangles, where you can put pimento cheese on anything. I'm telling you, grab that chicken filet biscuit, put a little pimento cheese on there, and you can thank us later for that tip, man. You really can. Remember the radio.com app, great way to listen to us wherever you might be. You will pick us up on the radio.com app. I was on the today. Exactly. I was on the radio.com app yesterday while eating Bojangles, listening to my guys, uh, Mac and uh, Preppy here (laughs) on the show. Sometimes I forget his name, so I'm sorry. But no, it was great. Radio.com, Bojangles. Can't say enough about those two things. Yes, man. I like it, Bone. Bone is a a team man there. Company man. I like it. All right, uh, we are going to uh, we're going to talk some college football this hour. UNC football at seven forty. Ross Martin inside Carolina with all that's going on on campus with the football program, all of that stuff. They have actually shut down at, uh, at the athletic department it, it indefinitely. At least, well, at least until today at five. After shutting down the campus the other day, we'll talk to him about that and and football moving forward. Because Mac Brown said. Something that you and I believe to be true is that it's going to be better for his players. It's going to kind of seal up that bubble that they're in a little bit more. Uh, Boney, I noticed that UNC and Notre Dame and um, also the commissioners of a lot of conferences have been taking a lot of flack here the last couple of days from media members. Dan uh, Wolken wrote a column about this, um, and I think Ross Dellinger, SI, wrote a column There's a lot of people around the sport, media, other people around the sport that have a problem with the concept still have a problem with the concept of playing college football and it's safe enough for the players to be on campus and then go roll around with other players and and tackle and all that. But the students can't be on campus. And Dan Walken's article specifically, Bone, USA Today, calls out Swafford and Bowlesby and Sankey. Uh, commissioners for obviously the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC, because they said months ago that they don't that they don't believe you can play college football unless the students are on campus. And now they have changed their opinions 
and they're being called hypocrites. Is that fair, Bone? Like, how do you feel about no. this whole thing? Well, first of all, they saw the students on campus briefly and what happened. <laughs> that just simply wasn't going to work. They just, with the clusters and the parties, there's just no way to to have that work together, football and regular students. Look, this goes for sports. This goes for life. This goes for radio. This goes for all the things we're dealing with. We're in a pandemic here. There's no blueprint for this. There's no playbook on how to go about things in 2020 during a pandemic. So certainly things may be tried in anything that may not work. We could do a segment here during the pandemic and say, you know what? That didn't work because we don't have a blueprint for sports radio in a pandemic. College football, Mac, doesn't have a blueprint of the past on how to operate during a pandemic. There's not somebody you go back and say, yeah, well, in 1958, here's how we did it. This worked, blah, 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 blah. So things may be used or done that just doesn't work. And they have the right to come back and say, you know what? We tried something here. We may have said something in the past recently. We can, we have the right to change because we it, don't know exactly what to do or what works right now. We're I trying do, different things out. I do think you could call administrators out for lack of foresight, though. Because in hindsight, they should have realized what was going to happen when college kids got on campus. But I also will be man enough to admit, Bone. I was wrong, too, that, about it. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and we'll throw you, we'll lump up, we'll put us both in here on the I was wrong express, right? Oh. I was wrong, I was wrong. We were here, wrong, we were wrong. <laughs> Here's the deal, Boney. You and I both felt the same way. you got to have the students on campus. Swafford's right. Sankey's right. Now I can see the light. Like and I and I think they went through this too. Like I think they tried. I think a lot of people thought the best way to get college football and have a shot at making those millions is to have the kids on campus. And I think and 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 I think they forced that. Whereas all along, I think now they've realized. Matter yeah. of fact, there's a report out there that the ACC, Boney. And this got Luke Takak a little hot and bothered. He wrote a column about it. But the ACC is considering following Carolina and Clemson's lead here and Notre Dame's lead and having all campuses basically shut down and keep the football players there in an effort to get football. I think they it just foresight would have been better. But I think they've realized that this is the only chance we have to do football if the students are off campus and there's a bubble-like setup. It's a, And is it perfect? No, that may not work either. But it gives them the best chance to do it. So I don't have a huge problem with the change well, of heart. I saw the Notre Dame numbers yesterday that came back from the from the testing once the students came back. So Notre Dame was one of the schools we talked about from the football side of things. And athletics, they had like zero for a while. They were they had it down. Like yeah. Brian Kelly and the football staff and the Notre Dame figured out how to go about it. The students were back for like three days, and all of a sudden, the numbers, not the football numbers. But they're but, spreading it around, and it would yeah. only be a matter of time. Like, look at what happened at App State. Like, you don't, that has to be linked to the students going back to Boone's campus, 100%. right? Where all of a sudden, now you have 11 people in the app football operation, and they have to shut their practice down there. So, to me, like, I just, I don't know. You can definitely rip them and say, these administrators should have been known better. They get paid big salaries to maybe be able to manage crises. For me and Bone, we were just two dummies that bought into what they were saying. And now, now let's here. Here's the deal. By Again, because we don't we don't know. This is a situation where what we're going to be wrong about stuff. Administrators might be wrong about stuff. We there's not a blueprint here for what's right or wrong of the past. We can't go back to the pandemic of 1918 and try to figure out how they played college football back then. And here's I don't a, think they played back then. No, they did. Did they 1918? Yeah, and they played oh. some. They played through it. <laughs> 
As I understand it, they I played through it. Well, not the same type of stuff we have this day and age. But that's, that was my point. Yeah, right. they, but they, yeah, they actually played some college football. Were the Gamecocks good back then? Mac and... <laughs> no. no, I don't think. They were think. still losing to Clemson back then. Yeah, I don't think that. Um, the Pirates uh, were still terrible, too. Yeah, I don't okay. think they were great. South right. Carolina in 1918. Right? Mac and Bone with you. Sports Radio FNZ. How do you feel? Oh, yeah, 100 years of college football. Now it makes sense. <laughs> How do you all feel about the heat that that college football UNC that commissioners now for changing course this change of heart in the college football world that hey maybe the best way to play football is take the regular students off campus and keep the football players on campus this is this is a flip this is there's no doubt about it but Boney I understand why there's they're, they're making this flip here's another media member that went off on this Dan uh, not Dan Walken I already talked about him let me move on. You love Dan, though. Come on, Mackie. Um, it was um, Luke DeCock. Luke DeCock of the Raleigh News and Observer Bone wrote his piece yesterday saying the student-athlete the, the, the student athlete idea is dead. Like, if UNC and Notre Dame and Clemson and other schools have their students, their, their athletes on campus, but their students aren't on campus, it's over. They can't have that charade anymore that says that the students are the same as the student athletes are the same right. as all the other students because clearly they're being treated differently for the sake of making money. I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I think we knew this all along anyway, right? Like, didn't we already know all along the whole student athlete concept is complete BS? Yeah, this isn't exactly a film at 11 situation here. We kind of know that athletes might be viewed or treated a little differently than irregular students. So I don't, I don't feel like that's breaking news, but what I do, like, so... Some people's point is, oh, if you want to keep this student athlete thing going, you better get those football players off campus, too. But my whole thing is, how about they just use this time? Because clearly they need these football players to make millions, to avoid losing millions. How about this is the time that the end, that, that college football administrators actually come clean and say, you know what? You got us. This ain't an amateur model. They're pros, and we got to let them get name, image, and likeness. And we got to let them get a little more than just a stipend and a scholarship for what they're doing for us. Like, can this be the impetus exactly. bone to them coming clean and being like, you know what? Like, like the completely now would be the time to overhaul the whole system, wouldn't it? No, is there any better time than right now to try to figure out, hey, how do we do better going forward to give the athletes something for what they're going to have to go through here? It should be in case, something, in case this happens again and say, uh, God forbid, this happens again, and then you have a blueprint for how to operate going forward that you really, quite frankly, don't have right well, now. Well, meanwhile, Bone, what are they doing? They're in Congress trying to fight name, image, and likeness. Like, it's ridiculous. They're still scratching and clawing. No, don't get my money. They're like, they're holding their money. And then, no, you're not going to take it. Don't even give it to Trevor Lawrence. You're not giving it to that guy. Like, it's that just, was really aggressive right there. It's freaking annoying, man. It was great acting. If y'all, if we were at, if we were on cam, baby, you would see me acting out a whole skit here I was, where the big money administrator fights and doesn't let the player get the money from him. It's very compelling. Yeah, it's one of the great scenes I've ever witnessed. <laughs> it's like watching a Broadway play. Like, can we all just admit this? Play football. Like, I've Bone and I have completely flipped, just like Swafford and all the commissioners. Your best chance to play football is players on campus, but regular students not. But can we all agree if you're going to do that and have the students, the, the players there, let's admit they're pros. Like, please, can we just – and this, by the way, you talk about the best time ever for leverage – if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 players came out and said, 
you better approve name, image, and like. Like, like for right. example, like th- this is the best time they've ever had for leverage. But it, like for example, Bubba Cunningham, AD at UNC, Kevin White, AD at Duke. You guys are asking you like especially well Bubba in this case. Bubba, you're asking your players to do something the students aren't in the middle of a pandemic. Can you please drop the fighting of name, image, and likeness, please? It's embarrassing that they do that. Especially when especially when Duke's involved in it. And look at how much they could their athletes on the basketball side could benefit from some of that stuff. We're trying to figure out, Mac, how to keep players in school. Duke basketball, you know, it's almost impossible the way they recruit now, the one and dones. But, I mean, if there's any chance of keeping any kid in school, maybe you want to let him benefit off of his name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness. Maybe you've got some hope of keeping a guy around for a year. I know that they have the grander uh, visions of their future. But for Duke basketball and Kevin White not to be trying to promote that, yeah. that's ridiculous, is it not? By the way, we're going to get into this later. But the Big Ten story is there's a report of the in Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that the Big Ten wants to start their season. I guess we – I don't know if we're calling it a spring season now because the report says they want to start their season in early January, like first or second week of January, and have the season be like an eight-game season and play the Big Ten title game in like the first or second week of March. The the thought is to try to get it done – before the NFL draft, right? Try to give them some time before the NFL draft so guys can be a part of the process. I don't know if that's going to work. I still think the the, the first-round picks are probably going to bail, if not second-round picks as well and, and day-two picks and stuff like that. What do you think about the concept, Boney, of playing football in January, February, early March by the Big Ten? Like, are they is that just, stupid? Or? Are they just playing by themselves? Or with the Pac-12, are they just trying to have their own little season or something? Like, if the other ones, if the other three go off now, are they just playing against the Pac-12? Like, who's playing? Are they just playing their own conference games? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's just Big Ten. So co- they're gonna they're gonna determine like their Big Ten champion, I guess. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're talking it's kinda, about. Kind of kind of goofy, I think, to just be by yourself, I guess. But what else are they gonna do? Uh-huh. Play the Pac-10 Big Ten champions? Play a game? What does that uh-huh. solve? I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing. What does right? that solve? The Rose Bowl uh-huh. champion? Of the spring? It's just it's just kind of weird to me. I guess. <laughs> I, I there were some reports they were gonna try to play all the games indoors because can you imagine Minnesota, Wisconsin in January? Then again, I like snow football. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot it of it. Be, would it not be fun as hell watching snow Big Ten football from our couch? It would be. Coming up next, it's a T-Bone Top 5 list. Who are the top five most underappreciated Charlotte sports figures of all time? It's Mac and Bone on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports has pretty much come to a screeching halt in America, and that's going to leave a void in this show. But have no fear. The guys are getting frisky and are giving you the content you need. It's time for today's Top 5 on the Mac Attack. Sports Radio FNZ. All right, we got to have a little fun here. Got not five we on it. Not that we weren't having fun earlier. Five that's, on it. That's Bone. He's back, oh, baby. Bone sorry. is back. Mac and Bone. Sports Radio FNZ delivered by Bojangles. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, we got Ross Martin. We're going to talk UNC football, UNC's decision to clear the campus and do remote learning, the kind of ethical dilemma that is there can you send the kids on campus if the students aren't there the players all that stuff but let's have a little fun with this top 10 list bony and this i guess you got this idea top when five when man. you are top five when you and i were discussing steve clifford the other day because steve clifford is a guy that fits this list it's the five most underappreciated charlotte sports figures of all time 
because we've seen what Steve Clifford can do in Orlando, beat the Raptors in game one last year in the playoffs. They go on to win the championship, the Raptors, not the Magic. This year, he beats the Bucks in game one of the playoffs. We see Cliff doesn't need a lot to to work some Magic. Magic Clifford had some some multiple all-star players he could do some work. He'd be he's not Greg Popovich, I'm not saying that, but this guy's coaching acumen and what he does, the record didn't end up being great here on the surface, but we know based off of situations, missed draft picks, Steve Clifford, I truly feel one of the more underappreciated guys in Charlotte. I, I, get, I don't know if you put him on the top five. I'd put him on the top five. I think Steve Clifford is one of the most underappreciated sports figures in the history of Charlotte sports. Past, present, whatever. Bone Name me the last coach other than Steve Clifford to push a series seven games as the Hornets head coach. You got to go back a long way. We got to get into like Silas era. I mean, yeah. wait, harder. Where are we going? I mean, we're going way back Excuse in time. Me? Like, um, uh, what's huh? wrong with you, Bone? No, I'm a professional outfit No, I'm saying, I didn't know who you said. I was trying to figure out who you said. What former coach did you say? Hey, Carter. Okay. That's all I was asking. I didn't know you. Now you gonna laugh again? No, Beavis? you didn't say. You got to say who the guy is. You didn't say his first name. I said Silas and Harder. I, okay, you have to go I did, back I, to those times. Jeez, right? I'm trying to get Chill the top. Out, Beavis. I'm just trying to do the top five here, and you're going but, back to the 1980s. Because I'm trying to prove a point. Like people think Steve Clifford didn't do anything here. Yes, he no, did. He did a lot here. Like Jay. Like listen, I like JB. Coach Clifford is a defensive genius. Coach Clifford gets more out of a roster than most coaches will get. So anyway, I don't know if you put Clifford on the list, but he is the reason why you came up with this idea. He's the reason why he did not. Yeah, good one. He did not actually make the top five. He's just outside, but certainly I think Steve Clifford needs more recognition. Also, we went through all the draft picks the other day that they missed on. There's like 20 all-stars over the last 10 years that they could have had if drafting was better. Imagine Cliff. If if Kemba could have got some more help, the combination of Kemba and Cliff and hitting on like one or two of those dudes well, they missed on. What if they just let Cliff make the decision a few years ago in the draft? He wanted Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that's so, what I'm saying. How about that? How about that? He, all right, anyway, what do you got, Boney? So Clifford right. doesn't make the list. I would probably put him in the top five. But go ahead. Most underappreciated Charlotte sports well, here's of two, all time. Here's two Panthers who just missed out on the top five. This is not to say they weren't good. This just means that maybe we don't talk about their greatness enough. That's sort of how this is working out here. I would say just outside with Cliff, the top five is one of my favorite guys ever, Musin Muhammad. And the reason I include Moose is we always, you know, Smitty is Smitty. Smitty, borderline, should be, in my opinion, Hall of Fame wide receiver. Not even borderline. Smitty is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. But Musin Muhammad here in Carolina, 11 total seasons, 9,255 yards and 50 touchdowns. Musin Muhammad had a heck of a run so here, he's too. number five. Uh, he's, he's just outside the top five. Oh, my five. God. You aren't we, even on the you, list yet. You do this every single top five. <laughs> I say, here's my guy just outside. Uh, you say, that's the top. Who's the five? Top. I'm going through it. Oh, my. Who's five, baby? We've done 50 top fives. I give you two just out on the outside, and then you say, where's the top five? Where is it? Okay. Number five, former kick returner Michael Bates. Five-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro between 96 and 2000. Michael Bates deserves team recognition and certainly more fan recognition. How many five-time first-team All-Pros does this team have historically? No, that's a good one, man. I don't even think I, I think most Panther fans don't even realize that Michael Bates was a five-time you know, no. all-pro player. I, I don't think most people even know that. Man. So Michael Bates, number five. Number four, we're going to the Charlotte 49ers. Bobby Lutz, in, in a seven-year span... Between 98 and 2005, he made the NCAA tournament five times. 
had a 218 and 158 record. They have not made the NCAA tournament since Bobby Lutz left the Charlotte 49. I think Bobby Lutz deserves to be on this list. Bobby Lutz is amazing. I would argue that Charlotte fans appreciate the heck out of him because they haven't been competent since he was there. Right. So I, that's the only gripe I would have. But Bobby Lutz is amazing. And maybe people, maybe, maybe to your point, Bone, maybe it's been so long now that maybe people aren't don't remember just how good he had Charlotte basketball on the regular, right? Because like, he was sort maybe of that's getting, the point you're making, I he, guess. He was sort of getting criticized towards the end, but you go back and look at five tournaments in seven years, Charlotte would take that now and run with that five. And based off of not making it since he's been there, you kind of realize, you know what? We may have criticized Lutz towards the end, and he wasn't great after 2005. It sort of went awry. But that run in for 90, and, and that was also in Conference USA back then with Cal Perry and Tom Crean and Bob Huggins. Uh, there, That was a legit, legit conference back then that he had the battle he did with those guys. No, those, co- th- those coaches that would come in to Halton, man, that was a show. There's no doubt about it. And if you're out there listening, we know, l- l- listen, we know that there, you all are diehard Charlotte sports fans. Bones top five list. Now that uh, now that with the friction has stopped and we have gotten on the same page with this list, Boney, most underappreciated Charlotte athletes of all time. Whose name do you want to hear on? Not athletes, sports figures, because I said Steve Clifford would be uh, a potential guy. number right, three on the list. John Fox. He was five and three in the postseason. He was seventy three and seventy one overall. And yes. We look about how it ended for John Fox, and it wasn't great. Jerry Richardson didn't get the poor guy a free agent for three years uh, at the end of the run there. But let's remember where the franchise was with George Seifert and in a short period of time where John Fox had the franchise. They're a possession or two, a bounce of the football or two away from being Super Bowl champions. If, if, if Casey doesn't kick it out of bounds or they make a stop against Brady, we're not thinking about John Fox, how it ended. We're thinking of John Fox as a Super Bowl winning coach, and he's in the ring of honor. That's the fine line between how you remembered and and, and and how it's such a fine line. One play or two in the NFL from how you remembered. And John Fox, if they win that game, he's, out, he's an all-time Charlotte sports legend. Yeah, Fox did a hell of a job. I would take Rivera over him in terms of greatest coach we've ever had. But Fox is right up there, right below Rivera, and he took over a team that was a mess. And in two years, they're in the Super Bowl. So I feel you on that one. Underappreciated. I feel you. I think that's sort of the path that Matt Rule might take. I'm not thinking that he's going to get to the Super Bowl in a couple seasons, but I think the turnaround, we may look back and say, you know what? That's a very John Fox-like turnaround Matt Rule had from where they were at the end. Can I nominate Matt Rule on this list right now? Well, Trevor I mean, Lawrence was number two th- on my list th- for you. <laughs> this city thinks Matt Rule is literally a big old doofus coaching this football team. All right? And maybe he did look like one when he was doing that drill on the bags the other day, Boney. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we got a program builder, and y'all don't appreciate him. But anyway, go ahead. We're doing uh, top five most underappreciated sports figures in Charlotte sports history. We've got Michael Bates. Former kick returner Bobby Lutz, former Charlotte 49ers head coach, and we just mentioned John Fox. Number two, Gerald Wallace, Wallace, Wallace. Gerald Wallace, former Charlotte Bobcat in a horrendous era, made the all <laughs> made the All Star team in 2010, first team All Defense in 2010, led the NBA in steals. 17 and 8 over seven years, and they were pretty gnarly years he was there. Gerald Wallace, and you talk about a guy nicknamed Crash that put it all on the line. The reason it didn't end too well after the Bobcats is that dude maxed his body out 
for a terrible Bobcats organization. He did. That's true. You're right. How many meaningless games did he play in where he's he's throwing his body up into the second row? And I respect that. And by the way, anybody that's hated on the NBA by saying, these guys don't play hard. That dude brought it every night, man. I got nothing but respect. He's a genuine, really nice guy, Gerald Wallace. I would probably lean the Claw Walter Herman or P- Primo Bresic over him yeah. as Bobcat well, greats. It was but a t- I'm with you on that. It was a tough call, but Gerald Wallace comes in at number two of the top five most underappreciated Charlotte sports athletes ever. Number one, Jake Dolome. Didn't end well, much like John Fox. 120 touchdowns, 89 interceptions. Uh, 11 touchdowns, 5 picks in the 2003-2005 postseason. We know 2009, he threw 5 picks in one game, and it got ugly. But here's my thing with Jake DeLome. He's so close to nearly being a Disney movie. When you think about it, where he came from, back up in New Orleans, gets the gig here, takes them to a Super Bowl, and he battles a guy in the Super Bowl that goes on to become the greatest of all time. Toe-to-toe with him, If Jake DeLone wins that game, much like John Fox, if Jake DeLone wins that game, that's almost a Disney movie if Tom Brady goes on to have the same career. We talk about, remember the time Jake DeLone outdueled Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. To me, yes, it ended poorly, but the story of Jake DeLome I don't think is disgusting. So what, what did we learn today? That the Patriots most likely cheated Jake DeLome and John Fox out of even better legacies <laughs> here in the state of North Carolina. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys, Boney, underappreciated all-time Charlotte sports figures. Offensive linemen come to mind, like Ryan Khalil. Yeah. I think we took him for granted. Travell Wharton is a guy that wasn't great, but he could play tackle or guard. Would we not love to have a guy like Travell Wharton on this line right now? Actually him right now. Jordan Gross. I still don't think we appreciate. Now, maybe we appreciate him more now that we've had eight different starting left tackles in the last eight years. But Jordan Gross, I don't think, ever got appreciated. The commodity it is to lock in a good left tackle for 10 straight freaking years. Hopefully we know, we know now. So that's your top five. Michael Bates, Bobby Lutz, John Fox, Gerald Wallace, Jake DeLum. One other outside the top five that I didn't get a chance to mention was Chris Gamble. Yeah, that's oh yeah. That's a guy right there. People would say he stunk. He did very quiet guy. He, did, he didn't do interviews, really. He wasn't a look-at-me shutdown corner. But that guy had a very, very nice run where, you know what? You didn't worry too much about Chris Campbell. We didn't go into games thinking, oh, no, just solid. Just a solid football player for a long time that did it his own way. Didn't talk a lot. Didn't really get to know Chris Campbell, but he's a guy you never worried about. The number one answer from the listeners that they want on this list that isn't on the list. Let me see who it is. Cam. Whoa, Cam. Cam, Cam, oh my God. Like Cam is under- He's overappreciated. Get out of here. Cam overappreciated. Cam is underappreciated by some, but certainly not all, for God's sakes. I just did a whole segment on is he going to start New England for God. And, and for a guy certainly appreciated in Chapel Hill is Mac Brown and the job he's doing with the Tar Heel football team. We'll talk Mac Brown and Tar Heels with Ross Martin of Inside Carolina next with Mac and Bone on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ, Mac and Bone with you, rocking and rolling through this show here on a Thursday. We got to get into some college football, and specifically Tar Heel football. The students moved off campus, athletics shut down through at least 5 o'clock today, but Mac Brown's saying this is going to help us bubble up, seal off our bubble. Let's talk about it all. Let's talk about the outlook for the season. And hopefully they do play it with Ross Martin inside Carolina, uh, who joins us on the Mac attack. Ross, what's going on, man? How you doing? 
Not much, guys. Excited to talk a little football here with y'all. No doubt about it, man. And we will talk some actual heels football, some actual Sling and Sammy Howell during this conversation. But obviously we start with the news, you know, the COVID news and the decision to, you know, six days into class, take the kids off campus there. How do you feel? There's been some blowback to it, you know, by some members of the media, not just the Tar Heels specifically, but, uh, you know, Tar Heels. Notre Dame's done it for a couple weeks. Clemson never sent the students there. This concept of of student athletes playing football, but yet the other students it's not safe enough for. Like, does everybody deserve the the verbal beatings they're getting for this or or not? How do you feel about this? (laughs) You're touching on a lot of different topics, including amateurism and, and paying players and all that stuff. But, I mean, the, the key point is here, I mean, you can't, have, you can't have college during a global pandemic. And I think school is going to realize that. UNC realized that. They had, let's see, four outbreaks by Monday, and they had two more announced outbreaks yesterday. So I think they've had up to six clusters, which is five or more infections, but it could obviously be way more than five. It's happened in four dorm rooms and two fraternity houses. So I mean, you just can't have all these people in the same place doing college type stuff and expect uh, for infections not to happen. So when it comes to football, I mean, it's a lot safer now because they can focus a little more. There's going to be less distractions. You're not going to be living in dorms and eating in dining halls and all that stuff with regular students who are, who are not worried about football, who don't have the best interest of the football team. In mind now, you're saying that the players are, or the students are moving off campus. There are going to be still some students on dorms. There's still going to be a lot of students who live off Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Parties are still going to happen. It's just all the classes have gone online. So yeah. There's still going to be a lot of students in Chapel Hill. There's still going to be temptations for parties and fraternities and and other type activities that college people do. So there's still a lot of risk. But yeah, the bubble is the key here. Max has been preaching that it's worked in the NBA and they're just trying to keep everything with football around football, go to practice, eat, go back to your dorm, study, go to class, come back to football and kind of just keep the limitations and or keep the restrictions and all that bubbled up for, um, for here three months and see what happens. We're talking to Ross Martin inside Carolina here on sports radio, FNZ and the Technicom hotline. Ross, what does suspending athletics for at least 24 hours like Notre Dame and UNC did accomplish. I was kind of confused of why Why would one yeah. day make a difference like that? Yeah, we don't really know what happened. I mean, you can we could make some guesses. Uh, you know, maybe a, a small outbreak within athletics, maybe just a scare. Like maybe one team went to a party where there was an outbreak and they just want to be cautious. And I think you'll see this a lot leading up to the season and maybe even during the season where – you know, just to be safe, let's take a step back, maybe test the whole team or maybe test that day, then wait 24 hours, get the test back, just to be cautious. I, I assume something like that happened where there was just something they were nervous about. They wanted to be safe. Let's take a step back. Let's breathe. Let's relax. Let's, let's go through our protocols, maybe take some tests, and then figure out what happens. But obviously 24 hours, and it's at least 24 hours, so we'll see what happens uh, on Friday. But, um, yeah, take a step back and, and, and go from there. But um, I think that's going to be pretty common. I think it's a safe way to approach it. Let's say one player went to a party or something and, and for, for any sports team, yeah. and then you just want to be safe and make sure there's no infections within those certain teams. This is all athletics, not just football. So it could have been any of the fall sports that are still active right now. 
Ross, uh, let's go to the field and what this football team can accomplish if we do get football this year. I saw uh, Cole Kubelik, who I respect a lot, you know, SEC Network and ESPN, put out his rankings of ACC teams. And I was scrolling, 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 and I don't see the heels until number six, and I almost lost my mind. I just, I, I don't see, I get people arguing that maybe, you know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit on the heels, but six best team in this ACC seems crazy to me. Like, is there any chance they end up finishing sixth in the conference? I, I think it's, I think they have a really good team. I mean, I, and, you know, I'm, I'm mean, clearly biased, and I cover this team. I see them every day. I read about them every day. I'm I'm only listening to to mostly UNC players and and Max Brown interviews. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what's going on around the ACC. But you look at their position, and they're loaded. And and what what matters is the scoreboard. And they have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, and Sam Howe. He's proven. He did it for 13 games last year, breaking freshman records. They have all their wide receivers back including um, you know, Diami Brown from Charlotte, Daz Newsom from the Tidewater, Virginia area, Bo Corrales, you know, two 1,000-yard receivers. They have both their running backs back. On offense, they're stacked. And, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. If, you, if you're a quarterback, if you have a great quarterback, you can do a lot of damage in college football. We saw how UNC struggled uh, for two years when they didn't have a quarterback. We saw how good they were when they had Marquise Williams and Mr. Trubisky. So that's where it starts. And then there's a lot of different pieces on defense. All right, going to tons of names here, but I'm sure your listeners don't want to hear the nuances of UNC's defense. But I mean, Jay Bateman's a mastermind defensive coordinator. They have some; they're excited about a lot of freshmen. There's definitely some players. Chad Surratt from the Charlotte area over there in Denver, North Carolina. He's getting you know all American type type pub. You know, could be a first round draft pick. So they have some players. You know, the second year in this system under Phil Longo and Jay Bateman, they understand what to do. Um, you know, I'm really high on the, what, what, what the UNC defense can do. Some question marks on, on defensive line, some question marks on offensive line. But from a skill position standpoint, this team is, is rocking and rolling, and, and I think fans are pretty pumped, and that's why, that's why Mac Brown is really excited about having a season because yeah, I think he knows it can be pretty good. You know, 11 games, I mean, eight or nine is definitely a, a realistic possibility. And when you look at the schedule, I mean, Notre Dame is the one thing that sticks out. So I could see, you know, nine or ten wins is a very realistic year. Everything works um, as planned, and as we know, during this global pandemic, not everything goes as planned. We're talking to Ross Martin inside Carolina here on Sports Radio FNZ. Ross, you mentioned Chad Surratt, the defensive leader. Is there a chance that he follows his brother's path and opts out like Sage did at Wake Forest? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's come out and said he wants to play to improve his draft stock. Uh, Mark Armstrong from ABC 11 uh, reached out and and talked to a uh, guy at UNC and says, you know, there's nothing's changed. I mean, he's going ahead with the season. I think he has more to gain from this season than Sage had to gain at Wake Forest. Uh, you know, Wake Forest doesn't have – they have a quarterback, but they lost Jamie Newman to the transfer to Georgia, so the offense won't be as good, I don't think. So, I mean, Sage Stratt was really good last year, and his stock is maybe as high as it could get, um, and maybe a dip in production could ruin his draft stock, whereas Chad Stratt only played linebacker one year. He has a lot more to show on tape, a lot more – convincing to do on scouts um, with NFL scouts. You know, he can really improve um, the, the angles he takes, the, the, the instincts of the linebacker. He made, he's been a linebacker for one year. He was a quarterback for three years at UNC. He played last year, first team all SEC, and he, he can make, he'd be a lot better, I think. And he's, he's freakishly athletic. He's had a full offseason now to kind of train his body for a linebacker position. And I think he's poised to have a huge year because the defense has a lot of players and he'll be able to make a lot of plays back there. 
the middle linebacker spot. By the way, uh, Bo- I, I hear that Bone is very proud oh, that yeah. you and uh, that you are a air fryer uh, convert. Right? Well, he's, he's thinking about it. He came to me for oh, advice. Oh, he hasn't made the move oh, yet. People come to me for advice, Ross, on, on life, on love, on, oh, whatever. And sometimes people will come out and reach out about air fryers. And Ross was, <laughs> I mean, he's not afraid to admit it. He said Bones an air fryer guy. He asked me about it. So I gave him a, I am, I am, the things I tell people with is amazing. You won't even believe You're it. You're like the air fryer sensei. <laughs> yeah, my Mr. Miyagi of air fryers. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I, get, I get down in the kitchen. I cook a lot. So I'm always looking for, for different things and, you know, trying to stay healthy and, Keep the body in shape. So, yeah, air fryer has is, is, is come across my, my mind, so I might look into it. Um, it's beautiful. For, it, for bone, ways to cook things. bone ain't lying. It is a beautiful way of life with the air fryer. It really I cooked, is. I cooked toast in there yesterday. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, it was delicious. I don't, I, don't understand, I don't understand what it is. Like I don't get how it works. So that was, a, that was my question. For, for T-Bone. And I probably gave him a horrible answer because I'm not sure how it works. Bone I just, says, here's how it works. I plug it in. I put something <laughs> in the air fryer. I shut it up. Throw everything, time on. throw everything in that thing. <laughs> All right. Ross right. Martin uh, for UNC information, InsideCarolina.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Martin underscore IC. Thank you, Ross. We appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. There you go. And you always- this air fryer can do your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, the wings, the air fryer wings... I've I've gotten addicted to them. I make them two or three times a weekend. Like I, I either do it Friday night or, and Sunday, or I do it literally every day of my weekend, wow. three straight days. And I, I use different sauces. Like I am a pretty incompetent human being, right? Like we all admit that. We all know that. But this air fryer thing makes me feel competent. Even I can execute the air fryer wings. I feel like I did something, and they taste amazing. They taste restaurant quality bone in there. It's um, I become bony flay. Not Bobby Flay, but Bony Flay with this thing. And I, oh, I get so confident too. Then I go back to regular cooking. And so it's, you it's, make crazy things in there. Why would you put, put toast you in there? Should you toast oh, go to wow. toaster? Wow. I'm, I'm so crazy. I made toast in there. Well, that's, a, that's the craziest thing I do. What all about day. your toaster? Shouldn't your toaster get a rep? But it makes it it makes it nice and crispy. It's delicious. Okay, so okay, so there's a difference in yeah, there. Yeah, oh yeah. You make grilled cheese in there too. Grilled I'm- cheese is tough because it cooks the outside too quick, not the inside enough. So grilled cheese grilled cheese was the one thing on there that I've said, you know what? Probably not in there. Probably not Bonesy. Not you in there, Bonesy. That needs to be a top five list one day. Bones top five things to cook in an air fryer. Oh, that yeah. needs to be the list for Boney Flay right there. Yeah, absolutely. Sports Radio FNZ. Yes, we love air fr- we love our air fryers, and we're not too pr- uh, too ashamed to admit it. Now uh, let's talk. Let's talk about what I asked Ross about there, and he was like, he should have ripped Cole Kubelik, but he was being very diplomatic. Well, I think the heels are going to be great, and he gave every guy on the roster. Bone Cole Kubelik knows fifty gazillion times more football than me. I readily admit it. He's an amazing guest, man. He breaks down field. What he sees on film, he is amazing. With that said, having the Tar Heels six in the ACC, to me, is insanity. I don't understand it. He did a power rankings for the ACC, and it's on Twitter, and I retweeted it yesterday with commentary. And Clemson's one, obviously. Miami, two? Miami, two. Notre Dame, three. Louisville is up and coming and fast on offense. They're four. Virginia Tech, five, although the Farley loss hurts them. And then Carolina. I don't see any way. Like, the Canes are not a better football team than Carolina, man. I know they got De'Ara King as a transfer, and I know they got talent on the D-line. But they there's a, like, I'm just, I'm not buying in to 
the Miami thing. They got to prove it to me. With Mac Brown, I've seen him do this at multiple programs before. I can see it happening, man. I bought into Miami in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, and 19. I'm not buying it anymore, Miami. Prove it first. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Oh, and you know what Miami fans said to the tweet yesterday? We back, baby! We back! Of course, of course. I, I've got to see it to believe it, even with De'Aaron King in that D-line, man. All right. Next up, kiddies, the Big Ten continues to get slobber-knocked by media members across this country, parents, players, coaches. we got to talk a little bit more about this. It's annoying me.